Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Six point five percent was it? Is is that what the current odds are of the Stanley Cup? Well, and you, if you look at the round by round progression, the Stanley Cup favorite is uh-huh. the Vancouver Canucks. Like what a time to be alive! I- Talking you through every goalie controversy, scoring slump, and draft lottery bust. This is the C Four Podcast on CanucksHockeyBlog.com. Here they are, the best starting lineup we could afford under the salary cap. Chris, Matt, Anna, and Adam. Welcome to another episode of C4 Podcast, brought to you by the Full Press Coverage Network and C4 and CanucksHockeyBlog.com, I should say. Um, obviously not used to doing these intros by myself, it's usually Chris, um, maybe you missed us last week, um, unfortunately we took the week off, but I promise to be back bigger and better than ever. It was kind of full bluster when I said it, but it turns out I delivered on my promise because unfortunately Chris is still not here, but I do have a guest and yeah, I am very, very happy to welcome from VancouverIsAwesome.com, um, Daniel Wagner. Daniel, welcome. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um so you and I have hung out a few times around the hockey saga, but never you've never been on C4, is that right? That is correct. This is my first okay. time. Okay. Well, yeah, you're very welcome. Um, I don't need to go into where you can find Daniel's work, but like, if you don't know Daniel, like on Twitter, Pastabulis, like ov- obviously you do. If you don't read his game recaps, um, on Vancouver is awesome. What are you doing? Um, but yeah. Um, very happy to have Daniel here. We'll like get into properly the last couple of weeks it was with the Canucks, but um, can you tell me how like okay, I don't want to put words in your mouth. What was your reaction to see Canucks go three for three on that road trip? We'll we'll call it mild surprise. <laughs> mild <laughs> to put, surprise. To put it okay. Lightly. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It was an it was interesting road trip. It was an interesting road trip. Um, I th- I think the Canucks themselves have to f- be feeling pretty positive after that kind of road trip. They're going up against some heavy hitters there in the Avalanche and the Golden Knights, and 
you know, they come away with the win both times. And not only that, they play on the second half of back-to-backs against the San Jose Sharks. They're clearly tired and they still manage to get a win in a game where, you know, to start the season, those were games that they were finding ways to lose. So finding ways to win, finding a way to win that game. I mean, it's not what we expected from them, but at the same time, like, I kind of thought that the Canucks would be able to go on a little bit of a run like this. If we want to call it a run winning three in a row at a huge winning streak, um, <laughs> you know, when it we're, counts. we're seeing like the New Jersey devils go on like near franchise record winning streaks elsewhere in the league. Yeah. It's like, it's like, okay, they've won five of their last six. That's good, but let's put it in perspective. They're still not even at 500 yet. <laughs> <They're>, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it is what it is. Um, yeah, let's so, say it was a fun, it was a fun little time, right? Um, so I think before we get too deep into it, um, we'll take a brief break and dive back into rewind, and then we'll get back to our, you know, negative selves and <laughs> you know, take some holes into um, pump, pump, do a little puncture of you know too much hope of that Canucks road trip. <laughs> Okay, I think we're getting into it a little bit, but um, we're kind of saying let's not get too carried away with this. Um, would you say like it's a huge turnaround in Canucks play or just a few things that went right? Um, I think there's it's a bit of a combination. Uh, it definitely a few things went right, but there are a few changes that they've made as well. Um, they're starting to give Elias Pettersson a larger role, which I think is the right decision. They're using him a little bit more in a matchup role. He's going up against top lines a little more often, and that's definitely the right decision given that he is their best two-way player. And so like that's that's a clear difference in how they are approaching the game. Uh, they're keeping Miller on the wing, which is, again, I think the right decision. Uh, they're getting a little bit more out of Ethan Bear. They took Riley Stillman off the ice. That was a good decision. Yep. <laughs> you know, Big so positive. There's, there's a series of good decisions there that are going to result in better play. But at the same time, also a lot of things went right for them. Bounces that maybe would have gone against them in, in past games went their way, except against San Jose when there was two mm-hmm. kind of ridiculous bounces that Freak led to goals, goals against. Yeah. But, you know, there were some occasions where, where things would have gone wrong in the past that didn't. There were some pucks that bounced their way that maybe wouldn't have earlier in the season. There was one pass that Oliver Ekman Larson made that deflected off an opposing player and went right to the net and Sheldon Dries had an open net just because of mm-hmm. a, a randomly deflected pass. So it's like there were some things that just kind of went their way, but they also made some decisions and how they were approaching the game, how they uh, were deploying their players that made a difference and improved their results a little bit. Yeah, I think that's probably a fair way to look at it. Um, Obviously Vegas kind of were a little beat up in their lineup as well. Um, That's fair to say Colorado as well. Like, but you know, that happens. That's just hockey, right? You know, you can come across injuries at any point. Um, there's also, as we were kind of alluding to, a little bit of a misleading kind of look to the road trip. You know, the power play got going, but it really only got going in one of the games, you know. Um, and, like, 
Elias Patterson was great on the PK, but like, you know, we still didn't look great on the PK because we come up against the Sharks, who are weirdly good at <laughs> the PK for such a bottom dweller team. Um, so, would you say overall that it's a sustainable look, or how sustainable would you say that kind of play? It's maybe not even the results. How would you? say the level of play is sustainable or not um it, it, it's a bit of an odd situation because like the canucks are not really controlling possession a lot of the time um except like for spurts here and there i think the Pedersen line generally is controlling possession really well but they are getting quite fortunate with a lot of shots going in whether it's at five on five or on the power play like they have a very good power play right now and an atrocious penalty kill. They're getting mm-hmm. shots going in at five on five and they're getting some shaky goaltending at five on five. So it's like, there's a bit of a give and take there. So, you know, whether it's sustainable or not, you could look at it and say, okay, they're shooting percentage at five on five. That's not sustainable. That's going to come down. They're not sure. going to score as many goals at five on five, most likely for the rest of the year, but they're also probably going to get some better goaltending at five on five from Thatcher Demko for the rest of the year. So maybe one of those comes down, one of them comes up, and it ends up evening out overall. Uh, same with the power play and penalty kill. Surely the penalty kill can't be this bad for an entire season. Surely. Surely. But also, um, maybe their yeah. power play doesn't stay as hot as it's been. Yeah. So maybe the penalty kill improves, but the power play comes down and it kind of evens out. So I, I think whether it's sustainable or not, sure. I, I think their level of play is sustainable, whether or not that level of play is good enough to win the majority of their games for the rest of the season. I don't think so. I don't think their level of play has quite been high enough, even though they're getting wins against the avalanche, the golden Knights. I don't know that nine times out of 10, they win those games. Even the game against, even the game against the, you know, the golden Knights, they win that game five, one, but also first seven to 10 minutes of that game, they didn't look good and they required Spencer Martin to bail them out a couple of times. Like he had three mm-hmm. really big saves early in that game. If those pucks go in, it's a completely different game. So there's their, their level of play. I don't know is going to be good enough to win five out of six games for the rest of the season. Obviously that's not going to happen, but I, I don't know that it's good enough to be a playoff team at this point. Yeah, above average. Yeah, I think. <laughs> I think realistically, yeah. Even looking at things like the power, the power play. Yes, it's probably going to come down and um, settle more above um, average. But like um, the penalty kill, surely it can't be that bad. But the thing I worry about is the things that look good about it can't be sustainable either. Like. Is Elias Pedersen really going to last as long if he's playing all the roles he's been asked to play? And is something going to happen with the the face-offs? Like, it can't be sustainable to have one player on your team able to take a face-off, surely. <laughs> yeah, that's, like, that's an issue. Yeah, that's an issue, sure. Like, I, I kind of brought this up um, on the last episode, but isn't that where the Canucks were when they hired Manny Malhotra like no one could take a face off they hired Manny Malhotra and now they're like they kind of got somewhat decent and then now they're just back in the same position again like it seems 
somewhat basic to me. Maybe I'm panicking over something small, but yeah. Well, the thing the thing with face-offs is that like overall, the big picture face-offs don't make that big a difference because if you're looking at guys that you know most most guys who are taking face-offs, they're in between 48 and 52 percent, and it's like maybe that means winning one or two extra face-offs in a game, and that's the big difference. The guys who make a, a bigger difference are guys who are winning like 60% of their face-offs, you know, or, or close to that. And Bo Horvat is one of those guys that can actually have yeah. that kind of impact because he wins a, a much greater percentage of his face-offs. But where like face-offs do make a difference is on in situations like the penalty kill, getting that first possession so that you can then clear the puck that kills off 20 seconds of the, of the power play. You know, those are those micro moments that make a bigger yeah. difference. And so if you're just looking at face-offs on the pen- penalty kill, yeah, you want to pay attention to that. If you're looking at a bunch of face-offs in the neutral zone, who cares? You yeah. know, you lose a face-off in the neutral zone. Okay. You get set up in your, in your system. You try to win the puck back and you just move on. You lose a face-off on the penalty kill. That's more of a problem. And and that's the one situation where like Elias Pettersson has to improve, especially if he wants to be yeah. one of those players that becomes like a sulky candidate because people won't vote for a player as good as, as Pettersson is defensively. If he's a center that doesn't win faceoffs enough, he won't get a lot of consideration and he won't get yeah. a lot of consideration from a coach to be used as much in defensive zone uh, situations if he's not winning those faceoffs. Yeah. I mean, I admire your optimism that he'll get selkie votes anyway, no matter how <laughs> I, good he is defensively. But I think he will. I think he's starting to get that reputation, and the selkie is nothing if not a reputation award. So if he's starting to get that reputation now, he's likely going to start getting selkie votes within the next few years. That's that's like my that. prediction, uh, at least. <laughs> no, I, I I honestly like that outlook, so I, I'm going to go with that, too. Um <laughs> So we talked a bit about Bo Horvath's value on the penalty kill, but like overall, like super hot start. Like um, it's not like he was, you know, behind the eight ball before, but you know he's put on like league leading scoring pace. Um, have we like blown the gasket with him? Is it you know too late to re-sign him? The stories coming out this morning were that Canucks are still very keen to do it. Um, have we spent all the money on JT Miller already and it's too late? Well, my opinion has been this entire entire time that they should not have re-signed uh, JT Miller, that yes. he should have been traded. He would have gotten a, 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 good, uh, a, a good return that could have helped turn things around. But more than that, he would have freed up cap space for the future. He would have freed up opportunities for Elias Pettersson to play more minutes. There's, there's a, a whole laundry list of reasons why trading JT Miller coming off a 99-point season would have been the right thing to do. Now that they've re-signed him, it puts them in a bit of a bind because they didn't prioritize Bo Horvat, and he's now obviously just taking off. Is it a sustainable scoring pace? Absolutely not. <laughs> as much as yeah, I think I mean, Bo Horvat is a yeah. fantastic player. And he's he's very clearly done a lot of work on his shot, um, it, it used to be that uh, Horvat was very much like a one-trick pony offensively. He had his toe-drag move that he would mm-hmm. use to get around a defenseman and get a shot off, but he has diversified his skill set 
to an immense degree. And, and Horvat's that kind of player. He's the guy who takes a weakness and works on it and works on it until it is a strength. We saw that with his skating right from when he was drafted, skating was brought up as an issue. He worked and worked and worked until it's become a strength of his game. Um, you, his offensive game, it, it had, you know, it, it was kind of predictable. He's worked and worked and worked and added layers to his game, added deception, added a, a more accurate and harder shot and, and become a more dangerous player. Um, he hasn't been able to do the same thing defensively, I think, because defensively Mm -hmm. his main issue is there's, there's a lack of awareness and that you have to have to train yourself to keep your head on a swivel. You have to train yourself to like be paying attention to everything around you. And that's really difficult to do, especially if you haven't been doing it from a a younger age. And he's always been a guy who was kind of pegged as a two-way player, but, but he's not really, he's a, he's a, good puck possession player he's good off the rush he's good offensively he's not great within the defensive zone and so you know he's a player that the canucks should resign he's a bit younger than jt miller he's the captain he's obviously a force on the power play but i don't i don't know how you can resign bo horvat with all the contracts that they currently have on the books and improve as a team and and that's the thing like they they can absolutely find room to sign to re-sign Bo Horvat move around some contracts make some trades the question is can they take a step forward with the cap space that will be left over the issue has never been becoming uh getting under the cap getting under the cap is right. relatively easy you can do that You'll the question is yeah. how good can you be with that team you know, the Canucks don't have a deep prospect pool that's going to be providing some cheap players on entry-level contracts to fill out a roster. Um, that isn't coming next year. That's not coming within two years. That Their prospect pool just isn't strong enough. And so you've got this issue where you've got these expensive veteran players. You've got Miller and Horvat. You're going to need to re-sign Pedersen uh, in the near future. And so the question isn't, are, can you re-sign those players? It's how do you improve as a team when those players are taking up all of your cap space and you don't have any space left and you don't have any prospects to, to come in cheaply to fill out and build that roster. And especially when they don't have uh, the, the right players and prospects on the back end. You know, mm-hmm. the biggest issue is that they need to improve on defense and you can't do that when you're spending so much money on veteran players. It it just isn't yeah. possible. So sure they want to re-sign Bo Horvat. They should have prioritized re-signing him in the offseason over JT Miller. They completely mishandled that situation, misread the situation, believed mm-hmm. that JT Miller was more of a leader on this team than he actually is. And so they prioritized re-signing Miller, didn't prioritize Horvat. And now they're going to have to pay through the nose for him. And he probably won't be worth it as much as I like Bo Horvat. They're going to have to pay a a guy who's, you know, what a 40 goal scorer by the end of the season. They're going to have to pay, pay him for that goal scoring pace, just like they had to pay JT Miller as a 99 point player. One that may not be who they are in the future. Like that's the big issue. They're going to be paying too much money for what they are currently and it's not going to be the right value for who they are in the future. Mm. 
So that's um, a whole lot to say that <laughs> as yeah, much as they should, I, should re-sign Bo Horvat, sure, they should have re-signed him in the offseason before he got off to a 66-goal pace to start the season. Yeah, I think um, I'm with you. I'm sure a lot of our listeners uh, completely agree. We've talked about the JT issue ad nauseum. Just quickly, um, finally on Bo in this section, um, you kind of talked about his sort of accountability and getting better. Um, you talked to his, about his leadership skills. Some of that value is like, you know, not on the ice, um, but sort of his role in the team. If he goes, who's captain? Like, I think that it gets talked about nowhere near enough. Like, you've got people saying, you know, Elias Patterson's leader. I'm like, okay, but, you know. That's not, you don't make your stars captains um, that barely talk. Like, you know, what's, yeah, what does the leadership group look like? Is there one standout candidate you could see replacing Bo if he walks? I mean, that's a tough one. Like, lots of teams have gone without captains as well if there's no, like, obvious candidate because teams always have, like, a group of leaders. There's never just one player who is Mm -hmm. the only leader on a team you know and you don't need to have a letter on your jersey to be a leader on the team you know uh there's players within that locker room that are uh, like luke shen is an obvious leader like he just is he he talks the talk he walks the walk he is willing to speak up and let people know when they've messed up or when they need to to change something about how they're playing like he, he is absolutely a leader Should he be captain? I mean, no, I don't think so. Uh, Wyatt Arndt might disagree. Uh, (laughs) He might think that Luke Shen is the obvious choice. Um, I think you could make a guy like Elias Pettersson the captain as much as he's soft-spoken, like he's not a a loud voice. I mean, neither was Henrik Steen, you know, and Elias Pettersson is a very, is a very thoughtful person. Like if uh, anytime that I've talked to him, like, he doesn't give cliche answers to questions. He is always trying to like actually think through his response and, and he'll stop himself if he's talking and he realizes like, Oh, hang on. I'm talking without saying anything. He'll kind of stop himself and go like, well, that's not what I mean to say. And he'll kind of get back to Mm -hmm. his point. Like he's, he's a very thoughtful person and that can be a captain. And he leads by example on the ice with the effort that he puts out. Um, I think JT Miller would not be the right choice for a captain. He's just, as much as yeah. he's got a big personality and he's good in the media and he was willing to speak up during the COVID year when um, the NHL was kind of putting them through the ringer with their schedule, like he was willing to speak up and, and, and not let that happen like that. Those are leadership abilities. Like he's absolutely has leadership ability within him. I just don't know that you want him to be the captain when he is a very fiery personality and, can blow up on the ice sometimes. And maybe that's not the example that you want to set, especially he's the type of guy when things are going wrong, he can kind of check out. Yeah. And And I think you've hit the nail on the head there with that kind of leadership quality versus the culture you want to sort of bring to the team because JT is a strong personality, but he maybe doesn't embody the culture that the Sedins did that now Bo does. Um, and yeah, I do think that fans, like we as fans, definitely overvalue the sort of idea of a captain. But I do think it's important 
like just from a fan's point of view to like do that as well because if the fans don't see a leader like it's easier for them to check out as well um (laughs) it doesn't have to be a shouting and screaming guy like jt but i do think the fans sort of need someone to identify with you kind of you need it's it is more for the fans it is more for the media like it it is for you know even talking to the refs like that's mm-hmm. actually the captain's primary responsibility on the yeah, ice. The, that's the one, literally that only yeah, job, that's their really. only job. They're the guy that talks to the rest. So you need to have someone who can do that. Okay. Bo Horvat is, is great at that. Like he's, he knows how to talk oh. to the refs. He'll get fired up and he'll say some unkind things to the refs sometimes, but sometimes <laughs> you, you want that in a captain because the, you know, you want your teammates, you want the team on the bench to see, okay, our captain is speaking up for us. Our captain is angry at the refs. Our captain is angry about that call. Okay. He's on our side, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Um, but like out off the ice, their big responsibility is just being the guy who's going to talk to the media after every loss, you know, mm-hmm. like, and that was, that was Henrik Sedin and Daniel Sedin. Like they absolutely showed that after every loss, they were willing to talk to the media and, and, try to spin it so it wasn't as bad as it seemed or whatever it was or speak honestly about how the team didn't play up to up to snuff um but then after a win they were more than willing to let someone else take the spotlight you know they didn't have to talk after every win and so i i think that's the big thing for a captain is you just need someone who is going to take the heat after a loss talk to the media you know be the person who is a spokesperson for the team to the fans. And, and, you know, it, it's tough when you don't have that captain just for those reasons. And that's really it. Mm-hmm. Cause you, you just need someone yeah. who's going to be uh, in the spotlight when the spotlight is unpleasant to be in. Yeah, I agree. And I think like um, Thatcher Demko is great at talking to the media. He's very eloquent. He's thoughtful, but we're not going down that road. No goalie captains in Vancouver. <laughs> well, I yeah. Mean, and and yeah. it's tough too, because like Demko, Demko isn't always easy to talk to after a loss and no goalies are, you know, most goalies, yeah. they don't want to talk after a loss because they're just replaying in their head all the ways that they could have won the game, all the, all mm-hmm. the mistakes that they might've made or, or pucks that they felt they should have stopped. Um, Jacob Markstrom was notorious for being difficult to talk to after oh, a yeah. loss. Um, and so, you know, you, you can't have a goalie being the captain. I, I think when Luongo was the captain, it, it kind of put a lot of undue pressure on him because he had to yeah. always be there talking to the media when sometimes you just want your goalie to, you know, decompress, get out of there as quickly as possible, maybe say a few words to the media, but not have to be the guy to speak to the performance of the entire team. Yeah, I think you're right. Um we did talk about that more than I thought, but like it's kind of an interesting scenario. Um, it doesn't get talked about a lot. So I'm, yeah, I was curious about your thoughts. Um, we'll take a super quick break and then we'll come back for a quick section on where the team's kind of going this season. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 
This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Take hitting out of the game. You can't hit anymore, so don't do it. The unsportsmanlike conduct, I want to get an explanation on. No kidding. Because how do you get suspended for unsportsmanlike conduct? Plus interference. There's no interference there. He had the puck. Now, Madison never ever did that before. Now, why did he do it? That Because he was mad. Well, your early favorite for the Calder <laughs> Trophy, that's for sure. Elias Patterson, you might even say your early favorite for the Hart Trophy. Just to get back to your question, Elias is going to play plenty. He can play. He's going to get a lot of power play time. And, yeah, I'm concerned about our offense. We lost 200-point players, and we've got to find a way to score. Okay, so Canucks, like, already headlines are being written that they're back in the playoff conversation. This on the weekend that Connor Bedard was on the West Coast in Vancouver scoring goals, raining down goals um, in the dub. Have Canucks ruined their chances at going after Bedard? I mean, not yet. <laughs> there's there's always hope for, for yeah. them to be hopeless, you know? <laughs> That's such um, a positive spin to put on it. <laughs> I mean, Connor Bedard is obviously like, such a talented player there uh, he's unreal to watch and mm-hmm. i think the thing we've seen from him this season too is that he's playing such an unselfish game like as weird as it is that he's just piling up these points he he's looking for his teammates he's trying to yeah. prop up his teammates instead of just kind of trying to hog the glory for himself but i i think the biggest thing with him too is that you know he's a vancouver canucks fan <laughs> you know like a diehard yeah. vancouver canucks oh, fan but we've fallen for that before you know well, like Vancouver hasn't produced a lot of players of that caliber. You know, I, no, I don't think they've ever produced a player right of, of Bedard's caliber, assuming that he is as good as he seems to be once he reaches the NHL. Um, he He's likely to be the best player that Vancouver has ever produced. And so the yeah. storyline of, of having this homegrown player playing on the Canucks, the team that he grew up cheering for, the team that he still cheers for to this day, He's still trying to watch every Canucks game that he can. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, that's an amazing storyline, especially because he would be such an impactful player. Now, could the Canucks still draft him? Sure. Absolutely. You know, there's plenty of room for the Canucks to crash and burn this season. Um, There could be a lot more injuries. The Canucks, other than on the back end, they've, they've, you know, like guys like Elias Pettersson, they've, they've stayed healthy. You know, there's a few yeah. players that have been injured. Uh, Brock Besser, you know, he missed some games and on defense, they've had all sorts of issues. Uh, I don't think Poolman will be back this season. Dermot, who oh, knows well, when he'll be back. He's still out. He's, he's been skating with the team, but not in a contact Jersey yet. So I, I don't know. I think there are still a lot of ways that this season can go wrong and it's still, isn't a great season again as of today as of monday they are not a 500 team yet Mm. (laughs) and it's over 20 games into the season and they're below 500 that doesn't usually result in a playoff team like we're crowing about them going on this amazing run it's like well they've won five of six 
You know, that's, yeah, that's okay. That's decent. They, they're going to have to be a lot better than that in the future for, for them to be in the playoff conversation. But I mean, this is also exactly where we expected them to be right, right. on the playoff that bubble. Um, probably, middle. probably picking in the middle of the first round. Um, the odds of them getting the first overall draft pick, uh, if they finish in the middle of the standings are very, very low. Mm-hmm. But, but this is the team that, that they've put together a team that is still kind of trying to go for the playoffs without any real direction, without any real plan on how they're going to get there without actually addressing their biggest issues. Like they're still a team that struggles to move the puck out of the defensive zone. They're still a team that struggles to defend inside the defensive zone. You know, they're going to have to do a lot to prove that they are an actual playoff caliber team. So yeah, a lot can go wrong. They could crash and burn. They could end up in the Bedard sweepstakes. And if they do end up at the bottom of, of the standings and they do pick in the top five, even there's going to be a, a great player available. I, I think there are a lot of Canucks fans that want to see that kind of direction, that, that plan, um, that this team hasn't had for nearly a decade of, of how they're going to not just be a team that hopes to sneak into the playoffs and yeah. maybe win around and, or maybe get some luck with some goaltending and, and win a couple rounds, you know, that, you know, who knows what happens kind of approach. I think there's a lot of Canucks fans that are sick of that, that want to see a, a team that goes, okay, in five years, even in, in five years, we're going to be a Stanley cup contender. And here's how we're going to get there. You know, we're going to trade these veteran players. We're going to trade them and we're going to make a younger team. We are going to sign free agents to one year deals and then flip them for draft picks. We're going to gain a lot of draft picks and, and build our prospect pool. Like that's the kind of plan that I think a lot of Canucks fans want to see because like I said earlier, their prospect pool just isn't good enough. And adding someone like Connor Bedard to that prospect pool would change a lot. It wouldn't change everything. Their prospect yeah. pool would still be bad. Yeah. They would have one blue chip player and the rest of the prospect pool would still be a, a whole bunch of question marks. So like there has to be a bigger plan here. Yeah. You know, I think... Yeah, you're 100%. You're so right on that. I think we've talked about it a bunch on this podcast as to like where the Canucks are going because it seems like a little bit of a cycle. Um, what you talked about a plan, what are like realistic steps they can take? Like, what players um, could they trade? What contracts could they not renew um, to sort of make an actual some actual progress towards like changing the makeup of this team because if you're blowing a team up you don't re-sign jt miller to eight million a year yeah you know you don't make the trade obviously this was the previous regime but you don't make a trade like oel and like so one i guess what are some options to sort of move towards a rebuilding or retooling and two, do you see it happening? <laughs> well, I mean, 
it, it's a it's a big question because there right. a lot that's, has to yeah, change. Yeah, that's huge. <laughs> a lot has to change, and I th I think like it's a series of steps. The first step is you have to identify the players that you're going to build around, and I think mm -hmm. that's the step where they've stumbled right out of the gate. They identify JT Miller as one of the players that they should build around. Uh, the, the talk from Patrick Alvin and Jim Rutherford was, was constantly, this is our best player. JT Miller yeah. is our best player. And it's like, no, he's not. He, he's he not, isn't. He's, like, not he's, even, he's not even right now our best player, and he's 28 or 29. So, you know. Yeah. Like, I understand why they thought that. Because I, I think coming into a, a new organization, they got rid of a lot of organizational knowledge. They they fired a lot of people who would have had you know knowledge over multiple years and understanding of who this team is, who the most important players are. And, and I don't like I'm hard on JT Miller. He's a very good player. I want to make that clear. Yeah. He's very good offensively. He's a very good playmaker. He does a lot on the power play. And, and he can be a really effective player, especially when he's on the wing and doesn't have as much responsibility defensively. Yep. Um, but he's not the player that you build around. And right now, that's how he's going to be set up for the next eight years as mm -hmm. the player that the Canucks are building around. And, and so what, the, what I would do or what if I was kind of overseeing some sort of retooling is like you have to identify who are the actual most important players that are young enough that are going to still be good enough in five years to to be a core of a Stanley Cup team. And in my mind, you know, that's Elias Pettersson, that's Quinn Hughes, that's Thatcher Demko. And, you know, maybe you can identify some other younger players that are a part of that. And, you know, that's maybe not Bo Horvat. That's maybe not Brock Besser. You know, as much as those are players that I like a lot, you have to be willing to, um, in, in writing terms, one of the things that they often say is kill your darlings. Right. You know, when, you, when you've written yes. something that you are in love with, you have to be willing to get rid of it if it actually doesn't help your story. So, and like this is, it's it's editing at this point. You're taking what the t the team that you have and you're going, okay, as much as this is a good player, he's not one of the ones that's going to be here in five years' time as part of the core contributing to a Stanley Cup contender. And you have to be willing to move on. And I think, so that's step one. Step two is you have to be willing to lose some trades. I, I think that's a big thing yeah. that, that people are, are thinking like, oh, you have to win every trade. It's like, well, sometimes you just need to get rid of a player. Yeah. And Sometimes the Canucks have kind of shown themselves willing to do that this year. You know, they've shipped out a few players for yeah. great returns. I, I don't necessarily <laughs> say they, that, that they like all, they were always the best move. They also spent a second round pick to, yes, <laughs> you know, I they've they've one. <laughs> they've traded away draft picks when that's the last thing that they should be doing right now. And a big part of why they did that is they wanted to make space for Ethan Bear. And the big reason why they had to make space for Ethan Bear is that they spent all their cap space on Ilya Mikheyev, you know, and, and again, mm -hmm. Ilya Mikheyev is a good player. You know, he's, he's a player that has been uh, very effective with uh, Pedersen and, and Kuzmenko. I don't think he's the right fit with that line personally, still stylistically. Mm -hmm. I, I think agree. he needs to be on a more of a North South type of uh, line that attacks and transition a bit more. I think he would be good with Horvat and Miller. 
but uh yeah. but that's a whole other conversation yeah. but, but again that's a player that you go okay in five years time is he going to be part of this core that is contending for the stanley cup no well maybe you trade him maybe you move him um mm-hmm. and, you, and you have to I- identify that core that you're building around be willing to lose some trades in order to get some draft picks create some cap space and from there like Step three is you start to construct the player, like figure out the players that you actually need. You know, what, where are the holes and the biggest holes right now are on defense and they don't have anyone to fill those holes, whether it's in the NHL or in their prospect pool. And so everything that you do has to be designed towards filling those holes, not so that they're better next year, but so they're better at in five years, you know, like that's, that's one of the things with management, um, one of the biggest things that you that you need to do is put a time frame on what you're doing. Uh, I think with the Jim Benning years, the biggest thing that they were doing every offseason was just how can we make the playoffs next year? Every single yeah. move that they made in every offseason was designed for next year and just pushing away w- the long-term consequences. The most important thing that this management can do is come up with a time frame, figure out like, when do we think that we can be a Stanley Cup contender? Is it three years? Is it four years? Is it five years? And whatever that time frame is, that's what you're aiming for. You know, you're yeah. not so every single decision you make has to be with that in mind, that three year, four year, five year time frame. And if there's a move that you're making that's going to make you a very good team in the next or or like make you better for the next two years but probably not make you better for years three, four, yeah. five, whatever that time frame is, don't make that move. And yeah. I think that's the JT Miller re-signing. JT Miller is going yes. to make them a better team for the next two, three years, most likely. Um, and then he'll probably start to decline. And that caps that cap hit is going to be a, an anchor instead of, you know, instead of having that cap space available to make them a better team within that time frame that you're aiming for. So that that's the big issue is that I think they've already stumbled on step one, identifying mm-hmm. the players that they need, identifying the core players rather that they want to re- rebuild around. They've stumbled that they, um, I don't think that they have been willing to lose trades. Cause I think if they had been willing to lose a trade, they would have traded JT Miller already. I don't know that they even really shopped him. The, ent- the talk the entire time was that they wanted to re-sign him. And if they got the right offer, okay, well, they'd move him. Well, that's not a team that is trying to trade a player. That's a team mm-hmm. that is just kind of waiting to see if someone is willing to knock their socks off. You know, if they had actually gone out and shopped JT Miller and, and gotten offers from multiple teams or tried to make some sort of three-way trade happen to get the best value possible. Yeah. You know, they probably would have done that if that is what they actually wanted to do. And I don't think they wanted to. So, yeah, you know, I mean, I think the fact that we know about the like big almost was with the Islanders kind of shows that they like, if that was just their one shot, like, you know, they weren't really pushing hard enough on a 99 point player to make it work. Um, I think you've kind of like with, what um, Patrick Colvin's kind of always said this season is we're trying to make a better hockey team, which seems very like simplistic, but it's also, 
you want to say why. Like, we don't need to make the team better right now because we're not going to make it good enough um, to, you know, make a difference. It's not going to be a, you can't keep making the team better until it makes a playoff contender. Like, that's just not realistic at this like, stage. People like to think that growth is just like a steady, a steady line going up, and it's not. It, there's peaks and valleys, you know. Um, you can just because a team is better one year does not mean they're going to be even better the next year. Sometimes, you know, like if a team gets better, that's actually a peak, and they're going to fall off after that. I think there was a mistake made when when. We look at last season at how they played under Bruce Boudreau that, that there was a lot of people who thought, okay, that's a sign that they're getting better. They're going to be even better than that next year. And it's like, well, no, maybe mm -hmm. that was a peak. Maybe that was as good as they were going to get with that roster. And they were going to decline after that. And especially when you look at the age of their defense, when you look at guys like Oliver Ekman Larson and Tyler Myers, like they... I think they played at the peak of what they could at this age last season when they were kind of put together as a shutdown pairing, had to play kind of an unfamiliar role and they did their best. They, they did the best they could in that role. And I, I think they did a credible job as a shutdown pairing, but then this season we've seen a decline. They haven't been as good. They they've had to be split up because they couldn't do what they did last year again. And so it's that kind of thing. Like we, we expect this continual steady growth and that's just not how it works. Uh, especially if, if you're a manager and you're just going, well, we're going to incrementally get better until we're a Stanley cup contender. It doesn't really work that way. You know, yeah. they made themselves incrementally better by signing Andre Kuzmenko, for example, you know, mm -hmm. does that make them a Stanley cup contender now or in the next few years? Well, no, it doesn't. They might not even oh, be able to re-sign Kuzmenko. Yeah. You know, like mm -hmm. you, you can't just try to make those incremental steps. You have to be willing to take a step back in order to take an exponential leap forward because you've improved your prospect pool and you're bringing in young star players that can be truly impactful players and, and change your organization. Yeah. Um, I think that's just summed it up really nicely. Canucks not super great at taking holistic views, but you know, that's the way they need to approach it. So once again, we've kind of got on a downbeat trend, but <laughs> I do think Wags, you've given us a bit of a roadmap out of here, even if the Canucks have messed up the first step. So um, you know, we'll keep checking up on their progress on that roadmap and see how they go. Um thanks so much for joining us, Daniel. Um I think everyone knows where to find your work. Pass it to Bootless. Vancouver is awesome. Um, any fun articles coming up you want to promote? Uh, not, not really. I'm just going to be continuing to cover the season as, as it progresses. Mm -hmm. uh, got <laughs> as is your job. <laughs> various, various ideas. Uh, I am the one kind of big project that I'm working on right now is I am writing a book about the Canucks history at the NHL entry draft. Um, so Very that cool. I'm plugging away at. And uh, so that won't be coming out until next year, uh, around this time next year, actually. But awesome. uh, that is a project that I'm working on right now. So that's been Very kind of fun. Cool. Very cool. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, well, we'll definitely have to have you back on um, and you can talk to us about your upcoming book. Um, thanks again, Daniel. And we'll be back after this. So that was Daniel Wagner, a.k.a. Plaster Taboulis. Um, we thank him so much for joining us. Um, had a great time talking to Daniel, even if we did obviously go a bit negative, as we tend to do when talking about the state of the Canucks in the future. Um, some of you are probably wondering why we did not talk about um, the Rachel Dory suit. Obviously, that came out um, yesterday or two days ago, as you're listening to this, the fact that Rachel Dory is suing the Vancouver Canucks um, human rights complaint um, around her t- time with the team and her dismissal from it. Basically, it's an ongoing legal battle that's not a lot we can comment on right now. Um, obviously, the Canucks have denied any wrongdoing. I think there's going to be a lot to come out about this. Um, we'll probably be talking about this for quite a while. Um yeah, at the moment, there's not a lot of information um, beyond what's in the suit. So we do encourage you to read that. But I think we're probably a ways away from knowing what happened. And it's not a great idea to just speculate on back and forth. I don't think that's helpful to anyone. So we will talk about it um, when Chris is back and as we find out more. Um, so yeah, just say we're not shying away from it necessarily, just don't have a lot of information on that right now. Um, but yes, um, that is it for our show. Um, bit of a shorter one this week. We didn't get as off the rails, um, myself and Daniel as honestly we sometimes want to do in person, but, um, trying to keep it tight is a bit of a later record to give you a peek behind the curtain. So um, we want to keep a little shorter. Hopefully Chris will be back next week. I encourage you to send your well wishes to him just, you know, cause he's a good dude. So, um, if you want to know where to do that, he's at Lightforce on the Twitters. We are at the C4 podcast, um, on the Twitter and Facebook. Um, we're at c4podcast.com. That's where you can find all our old episodes um you can drop us a text um or a voicemail rather at speakpipe.com forward slash c4 podcast if you wanted to say hey to me to chris um to give your opinions on um the state of the franchise or you know anything else also where you can do that is discord discord.io slash c4 podcast um come hang out come share your opinions um come share your meals come brag about how you're doing in the C4 Hockey League. I'm not doing great. I forgot about my team again. Um, So, yeah, if you want to rub that into me, you can come brag on Discord. Um, But that is it for the episode. I really enjoyed talking to Daniel. Um, We're going to have some more guests as we go through the season. It's not just, you know, when one of us is out, we'll try and just bring some different people on. We haven't had wags on before, so that was a cool um moment but we're like if you want to see a repeat guest if you want to see a new guest that you think we might have either some link up to or just you know sometimes we just ask and they say yes so um if there's a cool guest you can think of please um give us a shout on the ways i just mentioned and yeah with all that said we out <laughs>